please be seated. Wow, God is so good. Whew. What a joy it is to gather today in worship. Grab your Bible if you have it. Go ahead and open up to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be in the book of Exodus learning the third commandment. And if you don't have your Bible with you, go ahead and grab one of the black Bibles in front of you there. It's page 57. We just responded in worship, which was incredible. God's grace is amazing. But I want to remind us in that same spirit that God is alive. We celebrated it about a month ago. We celebrated the empty tomb, that Jesus is risen, that he's alive, that God's word still speaks. Amen. We don't serve a God who is dead. We serve a God who is alive, who is worthy, who's powerful, and who that by his grace we surrender to. He loves us. Amen. So today we gather to proclaim the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Is your heart ready to receive his word today? Is your mind ready to receive his word? Is your soul ready to receive his word? Let's open up the word of God. The title of today's sermon is, Oh, Praise the Name. And today we're going to learn from the third commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Let's go ahead and read this together. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let's read that together again. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That's the word of the Lord. Well, Pastor Bill asked me to teach on the third commandment uh, a while back, and when he did, I was really excited, still really excited. But part of the reason I was so excited on that day is I said, this would be great. I don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Who better to teach on this than someone who's never done this, right? You're getting my sarcasm there. Um, but as I began to look into God's perfect law, his holy and magnificent name, I began to see how it's so common and so easy for us to take the name of the Lord in vain with what we say, with what we do, with how we worship. And I began to realize that this happens a whole lot more frequently than we probably intend for it to hope to. So today, the big idea, my hope for you and my hope for me is that we would learn to be people who praise the name of the Lord and what we say and what we do and how we worship our awesome God, which is why the title of this sermon is, Oh, Praise the Name. So where have we been in the book of Exodus? We've been studying it for a while. and the last few weeks, we found ourselves at the Ten Commandments. We're learning why these commandments are important to God, and we're learning how are these still applicable to us today. And so in Exodus chapter 19, just look in the chapter before 20 there, Israel gets to see, and we get to see, the awesomeness of God, his incredible power and glory revealed. Right before their eyes, Israel's encamped about the mountain. Just want to paint this picture for us so we can see what happened right before God gave us these 10 commandments. Moses goes up to God. God speaks to him. Moses comes down, tells the elders what God said, and how did the people respond? I think this is amazing. They said, all that the Lord said, we will do. Of course, we, we know they didn't. <laughs> we don't either. But I love that heart. But Moses reports back to God, and then God gives him more instruction. Moses relays the message to the people, and it's something like, all right, be ready on the third day. Because we're going to hear the trumpet, and you're going to know 
It's about to go down. <laughs> and next, we see that everyone has witnessed God's awesomeness firsthand. How great would that be? God descends on the mountain in fire. There's smoke everywhere. There's the sound of the trumpet. It says it's getting louder and louder. There's thunder and lightning. And well, light, there's not lightning. It, says, it doesn't say there's lightning. I picture lightning and flashing. And God comes down on Mount Sinai and then he speaks. And we get these 10 commandments. Incredible, right? So let's read together from Exodus 20 where God speaks. So starting at verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So we see here in the third commandment that how we take the name of the Lord is important to God. In a list of 10 commandments, this made the list. And God reveals what's important to him and what should be important to us. Why? Because they help us understand what the will of the Lord is and who God is and what he desires. And as his people, that should become important to us. It's for us. Amen. And when we keep God's commands, we demonstrate our love for him. Do you remember what Jesus said when he first called the disciples? He said, follow me. And then later on in John 14, he says, hey, guys, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so the Bible reminds us in 1 John 5, 3, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And then again, John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. These 10 commandments are a blessing to us. They're a gift to us from God. And God did not have to give these to us, but in his grace, he's given us these commandments. And so hopefully today, as we look a little bit closer at the third commandment, we'll realize that. We'll realize it anew. Maybe we'll realize it for the first time. So my first question is, what is in a name? Today we're dealing with the name of God. We all have names. Everything has a name. And names are important to us. Why? Because names have meaning and purpose. So we all have names. We have first names. We have last names. We even like putting names before our names, like doctor. Some of us have nicknames. If you don't have a nickname, I know the worship team would love to give you one. They're really good at giving nicknames. And when we're born, one of the first things we receive is a name. Many parents will actually name their child while the child's still in the womb. That's how important names are to us. And some of you guys, I know because you've told me you name your cars. <laughs> we all have names. And names are important. So think of your name for a moment. Is there a specific reason that you have the name that you have? Were you named after a family member? or a good friend of the family, or maybe a place that your parents enjoyed visiting. One of the greatest honors is to have someone name their child after you, isn't it? Some friends of ours years ago decided that they wanted to name their child after our daughter, Eliana, and we thought that was so sweet. That she had made such an impact that they said, we wanna name our daughter after her. But the opposite is true as well, right? There are people that we would never 
name our children after. So names are important to us, but they're not just important. Names have meaning and purpose. I know that for Trina and I, when it came to naming our kids, uh, we felt like that was one of the most important roles and responsibilities that we had as parents. And in the Bible, we often see that someone's name represented God's purpose and plan for their life. And we'll even see God change someone's name on occasion when necessary, right? God changed Abram's name to Abraham. God changed Sarai's name to Sarah, changed Jacob's name to Israel. He changed Simon's name to Peter, and he changed Saul's name to Paul. And with those new names came new hopes, new beginnings, new blessings, and new purpose. And in God's perfect plan, sometimes he decides, I've got to change your name. Did you know that God has a name? And it's not just God. Yep. Throughout the Bible, yep, there are many names that represent God's nature and character. And God's so amazing that there's about 250 names that describe who God is in the Bible. And in Exodus chapter 3, God reveals to Moses his personal name. We read it together a couple months ago in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. This is the first instance of God revealing his name. And it's a beautiful name, a wonderful name, a powerful name, just like the song says. Let's look at Exodus chapter 3 together, verses 13 and 15. This is on page 43 if you're using the Black Bibles in front of you. It says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. When it says Lord there in the scripture in your Bible, the actual name is Yahweh. In the Hebrew text, it actually says Yahweh. And we translate that as I am. Isn't that amazing? God's name is I am. Yahweh translated I am. We say that together, I am God's name, Yahweh. We just sang about it a few minutes ago in worship. But God reveals himself by this name, and God named himself. God's name is the most sacred, the most unique, the most incommunicable name. God's name is the name above every other name, Yahweh, I am. Is that not the greatest name of all? We serve a God who is a God who is glory, a God who is love, a God who is merciful, a God who is forgiving, a God who is healer, a God who is our banner, our provider, who's more than enough. This is what the Bible says about God and his name. Amen. Amen. The name for God, Yahweh, is used almost 7,000 times in the Bible. For Jewish people, Yahweh was, is the most holy name of God. And traditionally, Jewish people do not even say this name because it's believed to be so holy that it shouldn't be spoken. And while I think it's clear that it's okay for us to use the name Yahweh, after all, God did reveal it to Moses and he said, tell the people that this is my name, God does not want us to take it in vain. So God doesn't forbid us using his name. In fact, Yahweh is used more than any other name in the Bible to describe God. But God's name is to be used 
It's just meant to be used properly. God forbids the improper use of his name, the incorrect use of his name, the empty use of his name, the vain use of his name, the deceitful or the selfish use of his name. So what's in a name? Well, God's name is everything. God's name reveals his meaning and his purpose, his nature and his character. God's name is everything. And this awesome God wants you to take his name. He just doesn't want you to take it in vain. So if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then you are taking his name. The question is, are we praising his name or are we taking the name of the Lord in vain? So before we move on from this point, I'd like us to take a quick look at Psalm 111 and what it has to say about God and his name. This is beautiful. This psalm speaks so beautifully of God's nature and his character and his name. Psalm 111 says, praise the Lord. And there it is, Yahweh, all caps. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hand are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Did you see it there? In verse 9, holy and awesome is his name. Holy and awesome is his name. God's name is holy. God's name is awesome. What a beautiful name. Amen. Amen. So to summarize, God has revealed his name to us. His name is Yahweh. It's translated as I am. It's the most holy, sacred, and indescribable name. And Yahweh is our God. And so he gives us the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So what is commandment number three telling us? If God's name is everything about God, our taking of God's name must be handled correctly. Let's look at a couple key words in this passage so that we can understand what the Lord is saying here. The first word I want us to consider is the word take. Do not take God's name in vain. It's a pretty common word in our language, right? We take vacations. We take medicine. If we're lucky, we get to take naps from time to time. But I think it's important that we understand what God's intent is here in this verse when he uses the word take. And I, I love studying key words in scripture. This is, this is a part where we can easily check out or get a little lost, but I think Google has really helped to simplify how we can do a quick keyword search on any passage in the Bible. Back in college, I used to use this big thick book called a concordance or a lexicon, and um, they're big heavy books. But what I love is as we look at the richness of the Hebrew and the Greek language, Sometimes things stand out to us that maybe we would have missed in the translation just a bit. I'm not saying you, you have to use one of these books or you have to do a Google search, but sometimes I find that it's helpful when we do. So I want to do that real quick today during this sermon. So let's take a look at the word take. 
It comes from the Hebrew word nasa, meaning to lift, carry, or take. And this is like possessing something. It's not yours, but you're in possession of it. You're carrying it. My Uncle Johnny would say, you wearing it. <laughs> this is the same word that's used in the reference to carrying the ark in Exodus 37, the word take. So taking the name of the Lord in this sense is a little bit different than how I was raised understanding this commandment. I thought this commandment when I was young said, do not say the name of the Lord in vain, but says, do not take. But there were certain words as a kid that I would just not say. Have you experienced this? They usually start with God and then have a not so nice word attached to it. Why would we say that? These words are probably coming to your mind right now. Don't say them. Don't say them out loud. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, what you'd normally call a Christian home. But even I knew there were some words you shouldn't say. <laughs> some of us have Christian homes, and we'll still let those words slip out, right? But in our home, my parents are wonderful people. Church just wasn't a priority each week growing up. We had Bibles. My parents participated in confirmation when they were younger. We would have said that we were Christian on a census. And we would have even prayed before meals sometimes. We'd even go to church a couple times a year. We were what you call CEOs of the church. Have you heard this before? Christmas and Easter only Christians. Now, some of these people are your neighbors. They're wonderful people. I can tell you from experience. <laughs> and if you invite them to church, guess what? They'll come. We'd always go to church when someone would invite us. We just didn't find how it should be and could be and should be important for us. So. But growing up, I always thought that this commandment was more about not taking the names Lord in vain with what we would say and nothing more. But when we look at this word take in the Hebrew, it's not just what we say. It's who we are and how we treat other people and much more. So if we're going to or if we're not going to lift the name of the Lord in vain, if we're not going to carry the name of the Lord in vain, if we're not going to take the name of the Lord in vain, then this has a lot more application for us than just what we say, right? If we call ourselves a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, then you're carrying the name of Christ with you wherever you go. When you woke up this morning, you're carrying, you're taking the name of the Lord. When you drove in, you're taking the name of the Lord. When you stopped to get some coffee, you're taking the name of the Lord. On your way to work this week, you're going to be taking the name of the Lord. When you go out to dinner, when you go to sporting events, even when you're alone, you're taking the name of the Lord. And the Christian person carries the name of the Lord wherever we go. And if Jesus is your Savior, then everywhere you go, you're carrying the name of the Lord with you. Amen. Isn't that good? God's word is good. All right, Colossians 3. Let's take a look at this together because this is beautiful. And this highlights kind of what we're talking about here. Apostle Paul says, verse 12, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above these, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. How is that for a picture? 
Isn't that a beautiful picture? Taking the name of the Lord has to do with how we live our entire life. What we say is important, but when we take the name of the Lord, we cover a lot more ground than just what we say. All right, let's look at one other word in this verse. It's the word vain. Do not take God's name in vain. It's not as common of a word, right? But what do we know about the word vain? We don't want to do it. We don't want to be it, right? How we handle the name of the Lord should not be in vain. So the word vain, this now going to the Strong's Concordance here, it comes from the Hebrew noun, shav, meaning emptiness or vanity, and it has to do with deceptions, lies, false visions. Vanity is emptiness. It's lies, it's deception, it's worthless. This is the same word that's used in Psalm 127 that says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. It's empty, worthless. So God's telling us that when we carry the name of the Lord, if we represent the Lord in a way that's filled with deception, lying, emptiness, that we're taking the name of the Lord improperly, dishonestly, and in vain. Yahweh's nature is the opposite of vanity and emptiness. Yahweh's nature is the opposite of lies and deception. Yahweh is truth. Yahweh is faithful. Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is love. And Yahweh is fulfills his promises to thousands of generations. That's what it's saying in Exodus 20, verse 6, that he's faithful, his steadfast love for thousands of generations. Who can do that? Our God can do that. When we Christians carry the name of the Lord in a way that's not gracious, merciful, faithful, or loving, even when no one else is around, we are carrying the name of the Lord in vain and we're disobedient to this commandment. Now, I mentioned earlier that these commandments are gifts to us, that God did not have to give these to us, but in his love, he has given these to us as gifts. So think of this for a moment. Who likes it when someone tells you they're going to do something and they don't? Or when someone tells you a lie? Or when someone's deceitful? See how this commandment is actually a gift to us. God's truth is a gift to us. The greatest gift, actually. As followers of Christ, these commandments are gifts to us. And the third commandment, is telling us, do not wear, do not possess, do not carry the name of the Lord in a way that doesn't represent who he is. And remember, God's name is everything. And he's giving the Christian person the right, the honor, the joy to carry his name. So how exactly then do we take God's name in vain? This is going to be super practical. Sadly, as you can imagine, as you're sitting there, you're probably thinking of some ways in which you take the name of the Lord in vain from time to time. So this will be super practical. There are three ways that we do this. The first one is how we speak, what we say and how we say it. Have you ever said something like, I swear to God, or I swear that this happened? This was really popular when I was growing up. People would say, oh, I swear to God, this person said that, or I swear that this person did that. It was, I swear to God, I swear to God, I swear to God. It was so common that you could actually know if someone was lying, they would say, I swear. It's like you couldn't, you couldn't trust it when they would say that. You know what I'm talking about? You ever do that? Think that? It's good to take that out of our language. Have you ever lied about anything? If you say no, then you're lying right now. So there it is right there. <laughs> I had someone call me a couple weeks ago, and they said, Pastor Dustin, I just want you to know I lied about something to you. And it was super silly. And it was in passing. It was just this one little quick phrase. And they were like, it wasn't true, and I just want to call and apologize. And I was like, wow, 
wow, I would have never known. Like this moment was for them. I was like, you're forgiven? Um, I don't hold that against you at all. I think it's incredible that you're bringing that to the light because I know God's going to use that. But when we lie, it's very likely that we could be taking the name of the Lord in vain. So I appreciate how sensitive this, this person was to that. Have you ever made God's name common in your language? Remember, God's name is holy and awesome. His name is glorious. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God's name is anything but common. But does our language show that? Have you ever heard yourself say things like, God, oh my God, oh God, God darn it, Jesus, Jesus Christ. The other day I was driving, I was like, geez, and I was like, ooh, whoa, that was pretty, I wasn't, I wasn't even going to say Jesus. I was just like, where does G's come from? <laughs> you guys are getting to hear me take the Lord's name in vain. This is not fair. <laughs> I don't normally do this unless I'm standing in the pulpit. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but we're so good at this that we even create shorthanded ways to do this, like O-M-G, H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P. Like they just, it just flows out of us, right? So these examples make the Lord's name common at the very least. And they just devalue his name. Even saying, praise the Lord, thank God. Sometimes we can say it with an insincere heart uh, as if God doesn't even exist. And it just doesn't honor his holy and awesome name. So, okay. Another way we do this, have you ever said something that wasn't true about another person? Ever? Could you imagine? Have you ever done this? Or maybe it was true, but you didn't need to say it. Uh, look at James chapter 3, if you'd like. It's on page 951 in the Black Bible. But James chapter 3 is a good reminder of the great power that we possess with our tongue. James says that if anyone does not stumble in what he says, they're perfect, and they can bridle and control their whole body. Think about that. James reminds us that the tongue is a small member, but is it powerful? He reminds us that you start an entire forest on fire with just a little spark. And likewise, we can damage a lot with this little member called the tongue. He says, we bless our Lord and Father with it, just like we did a few minutes ago in worship. We bless our Lord and Father, but sadly, with the tongue, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. This is amazing because he's not talking about Christian brothers and sisters here. He's talking about unbelievers. He says people. Christians should be the ones blessing people with their speech, blessing people with their tongues, not cursing people. When we curse people made in the image of God, we're devaluing God and we're taking his name in vain. Some people are so talented at this, they've gotten really skillful that we might even miss that they're taking the Lord's name in vain. Is that us? Can we do that? I'm not saying we need to police everything other people say, but we might want to consider before joining a party if what we're saying is damaging God. All right, so we've all taken the name of the Lord in vain with what we speak. We also carry the name of the Lord in vain with how we behave, how we act, what we do, and what motivates us to do it. Have you ever let anger get control of you in a situation? Have you, has that ever happened? Caused you to act out in a way that didn't glorify God? Maybe you don't call it anger. Maybe you're like me and you call it, I'm not angry, I'm frustrated. <laughs> but often there's some behavior that follows that, right? How about this one? Have you ever been in a situation where you should have represented Jesus? Should have been a light to the world, should have been salt to the earth. 
and instead you end up fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Our actions, our behaviors, we've all done this. We've all taken the name of the Lord in vain with how we behave. We also take the name of the Lord in vain with how we worship. Our worship is what our life reflects. Our worship is often revealed in how we steward the resources that God's given us. Worship, practically speaking, has a lot to do with stewardship. How we spend our time, what we think about, what we meditate on, where we find our treasure, what consumes our passion. How do we waste our time? What do we, what do we waste our time on? God gives us three resources, talent, time, and treasure. Unfortunately, we don't get all of these equally, but that's part of being the body of Christ. The person with a little more talent might need a little help from the person with a little more treasure. And the person with a little less talent might need some help with the person that has some more time so they can figure it out. So let's talk about this real quick. Let's talk about talent, time, and treasure and consider what they reveal about how we worship Yahweh. So first, talent. Are you using your talent that God has given you for his purpose and glory? Are you developing and investing in your God-given talents? Or are you disregarding them, putting them to the side, and unintentionally devaluing them? God has given you specific abilities unlike anyone else. If you develop them and use them for his purpose, you'll experience great joy all to his glory. How we develop our talents and how we use our talents is a reflection of our worship. The second one is time. Are you using the time that God has given you for his purpose and glory? Do you see time as an investment? Or do you just binge TV show to TV show, video game to video game, sporting event to sporting event, hobby to hobby, trying to find something to fill you? How we use our time is a reflection of our worship. The third one is treasure. Are you using the treasure that God has given you for his purpose and glory? Is money something that you just spend or do you spend it wisely? Consider this. Is the money that God's given you something that he's given you to make a difference in this world, to serve the body? Or is it just to bump up social media and popularity and make you look good, maybe get your name on a billboard sign? No offense, Rafi or Rafi here in Phoenix. <laughs> Treasure's not bad. It's not bad if that's helpful for the business that God would have you to have. But how we steward it is a reflection of our worship. So we've all taken the name of the Lord in vain with how we speak, how we behave, and even how we worship. But we have an opportunity to praise God's name, to honor God's name with how we speak, how we behave, and how we worship. Are you getting what I was starting to get as I started to study this a little bit? That is, we are guilty. This is not fun. Does it feel just a little heavy? I, I hope that my tone of voice and my energy is uplifting. But if you're like me, even standing here sharing this, there's a weight to this. We're guilty of breaking this commandment. In fact, the commandments reveal that we're guilty of breaking all of them. The commandments condemn us. And while that's not a good thing, I think it's good to deal with reality. A friend of mine's a doctor and he says, I can't do my job correctly. I can't do surgery on a patient until I have a clear understanding of what the problem is. Only then can I do what needs to be done in order to help them. So my prayer for us is that we realize our desperation, 
our need for God. I was reminded this story uh, this morning talking with one of the brothers about how we need help from God. And it reminded me one day I pulled up to the house. It was a busy week. I hadn't been able to help my son with some scooter stuff. He was into tools and like taking his scooters apart and everything. And I pull up to the house and before, I mean, I parked the car. As I'm putting it in park, the door opens. He's waiting for me. He's like, dad, I need help. Bam, slams the door. I was like, (laughs) I sat there for a minute. I was like, that is awesome. I wonder how it would make God feel. I felt amazing. I was like, I'm here to the rescue. I'm going to help you. I had no idea what I needed help with at that point. But I was like, man, I felt empowered. I was like, I'm going to go help him. And I wonder if sometimes we need to approach God that way. Dad, I need help. God, I need help. Father, I need help. So my prayer for us today is that we'd realize the desperation, our need for God. We are guilty. I am guilty. You are guilty. There's one judge, one lawgiver. His name is Yahweh. He decides. He's the only judge. And these commandments, will they condemn us? We've all done it. We are all guilty. And that's it. (laughs) We can turn on the lights and um, get to lunch early or breakfast early. No, that's not it. If that was it, we would be taking the name of the Lord in vain, right? So let's ask a question. Is there any hope? Yes, our hope is in the name of the Lord. In fact, there's only one hope, and his name is Jesus. I'm not sure if you knew this, but in the Hebrew language, Jesus' name is Yeshua. And Yeshua means rescuer or deliverer. And when you're guilty, you need a rescuer and a deliverer from the guilty verdict, right? But that's not all. Yeshua is actually an expanded derivative of the name Yahweh. It literally means Yahweh is salvation. Jesus' name means Yahweh is salvation. Isn't that awesome? Let us be people who don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Let us be people who praise the name of the Lord, right? There is hope in his name. Our God is, he is salvation. It reminds me of how in John 3, 16, Jesus reminds us that God so loved us that he gave his only son. God's love for us is tied closely to his name, to the name of Yeshua, the name of Yahweh, the name of Jesus. We don't want to take this name in vain. We want to honor this name, bless this name, because he's worthy, he is holy, because he is, yes, our hope is in the name of the Lord. And his name and his word, his name is Jesus. And although we've earned a guilty verdict, we deserve condemnation and punishment for our sin. Guess who took that? Jesus was condemned for us that we might live. In John 10, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, abundant life. You see, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the penalty, the wage of sin is death. But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And to as many as would receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Romans 10, 13 says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You were saved by works. It just wasn't your works. It was Jesus's punishment. It was Jesus's pain. It was Jesus's blood. It was Jesus's crucifixion. And he proved he was God in the resurrection. That's why we celebrate the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Oh, the name of Jesus. Come on, will you continue to take his name in vain? Or will you choose to praise his name? Can I urge us today, just as we stand or sit in worship, however your posture is, just let the posture of your heart begin to incline toward the Lord, direct your thoughts toward him, your passions, your desires. And let's praise the name as we sing. Oh God, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your joy that you've given us. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus, who's paid the price for our sin, a price that we could not pay. Lord, thank you for the revelation of that truth. Thank you for the gift of your son in whose name we worship. Amen.